It's cutting into your exercise time. It's stabbing you in the back nine. And it's attacking your peace of mind. It's pain, and it's getting in between you and the life you want to live. CBD Medic targets your pain at its source. It's fast-acting relief with active OTC ingredients, plus the added benefits of THC-free hemp oil. Get back to your life with CBD Medic, available online and at CVS. These statements have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This week at Restoration Place. Every single day, you have to make a choice how you are going to possess this vessel. Am I going to give in to the whims that come across my mind? Or am I going to really realize that the spirit of the living God lives in me and I have to make a decision about what I'm going to do? Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Welcome to this place of restoration. of Restoration Christian Ministries, John Baysmore, Jr. Well, I'm, I'm truly uh, happy to be here today and really sorry that I wasn't able to be here on last Sunday, but um, I try not to go out if I have a fever, if I'm dealing with a cold, that's one thing. I can deal with coughing and sneezing, but fever, uh, I try not to go out because that can get worse pretty quickly, particularly when you're older. So uh, finally, the fever did break on Sunday night, but I was just telling Trey that um, when I had to speak on Monday night at the uh, service, I was really weak. I felt, I mean, I felt okay as far as the fever being gone, but strength-wise, I was, I was really very, very weak, and I really was praying that God would just strengthen me uh, as I talk, and He did. I was talking about a subject uh, that I'm going to be spending a lot of time on this year, not just with us here at Restoration, but on my broadcast, uh, as well as um, people that I'm talking to individually. There's a lot of people that have been reaching out to me uh, for a lot of different reasons with things having to do with finance. So it just lets me know, really, that we are in this season. Like I've been telling you all along, I just told Trey, I said, you watch this year. I mean, it's just sometimes it's just the time comes where it's time to see the things that God has said. So we're going to see a lot of that this year. I believe a lot of it going to be in spurts, but I believe the bulk of it is going to happen suddenly. I truly believe that. So uh, it's something for us to be excited about. But then also there's a responsibility that comes along with being blessed. And uh, that's what I was talking about on Monday night, you know, the responsibility of blessings and how we are to carry ourselves. I'm going to do, in two weeks, I'm going to do a broadcast about that. Oh, and by the way, this week on Words to Inspire You, we're going to be featuring First Lady. So she's going to give her amazing testimony of her visitation from the Lord. So, I, you know, I'm looking forward to hearing it again, and I know a lot of people... They know me, but they don't really know Darlene other than maybe seeing her if they happen to come to our page or go to our go to Corbett's um, Corbett's uh, station. Uh, they don't really know her; they know of her. But um, I think it's an amazing testimony that the world needs to know. The world needs to to know that God is yet moving in that way, and we should be uh, in expectancy of that type of. Um, that type of moving from the Lord because we're in this time now where we're going to start seeing things that we've never seen before. But we've got to prepare ourselves. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. I'm going to be talking about more today about body and the responsibility that we have towards our own bodies um, to make sure that we are doing the things. The title is going to be, and this is for Corbett's sake, uh, Knowing How to Possess the Vessel. Amen. Knowing how to possess this vessel that God has given us. So we're going to pray and then I'm going to talk um, about this you know, for a few minutes and then we're going to go. But um, I think it's important that we really uh, understand some things that we can do that will hinder uh, the move of God. So I want to talk about these things because I don't want anything hindering what God is going to release 
uh, in our lives during this year. So I want to make sure that we understand clearly that's my, that's what I've been charged to do to make sure that all of you understand that there are some things now. These are things that were talked about years ago, but unfortunately you don't hear them talked about a lot anymore. And I think it's because pastors are afraid of offending people, which is just so ridiculous to me. Offending people by preaching right right from the word of God. So uh but that's not that's not my thing. And I, I kinda understand now, Pat. I didn't I didn't quite get it when I was younger. Cause my mom used to do some to me some crazy things. I mean mom would just she would she would just be and be bold doing those things. And I would just be sitting there like, oh God mom did oh Lord mom did you have to? Now I get it. Now I really get it because as you get older, you you understand, particularly when you're in the uh, office that I'm op operating in, you're responsible for the things that you say and the things that you don't say. We all will stand before the Lord, and I want y'all to fully understand that. You will stand before the Lord to give an account of the things that you have been given charge over on this earth. So don't think that that's going to skate by. Even though we know we're going to be in eternity with Him, there are rewards that we we're going to be given out, but there are also things that you're going to have to give an account for. And here's the thing, you're going to have to give an account for it in front of everybody. So there's there's not going to be any secrets. So if you think you have some secrets now, if you repent of these things, you are good. But now if there are things that you have kept secret and you think you've got away with them, I want you to know fully, you will not. You will give an account of those things when you stand uh, before the judgment seat of Christ. Not the great white throne judgment. That's not for us. But we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. So now let's pray and then I want to get right into the word. Father, we thank you today for your presence and for the presence of your Holy Spirit and your ministering angels who guard and protect this word. Father, I give this place over to you now that your Holy Spirit will be in charge. I bind and cast out any wicked spirit, any familiar spirit that think you may have reigned in this place. I command you in the name of Jesus now to go. The blood of Jesus covers this place. Father, I now give this place over to you. I give myself over to you. I voluntarily decrease, Holy Spirit, that you may increase. That your word will come forth in power under the anointing. And I do always believe that people will be saved, healed, delivered, and set free from every yoke and every bondage. And I thank you in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So now I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you will, to a couple of places. First of all, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm going to begin reading it, uh, verse 15. And then I want you to go to um, 1 Thessalonians. Let me see. I, I think I did mark this here. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And we're going to start reading at verse 1. So let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I'm going to read a few verses there. Beginning at verse 15. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ. Shall I, then, shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? God forbid. What? Know ye not that that which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh. But he that is joined into the Lord is one spirit. Small s. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body. But he that commits fornication sins against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you are of God, and you are not your own? So now I want to... I want to talk about this, as I said, because I know that we're entering into, we are actually in, we're in the midst, I guess I should say would be a better way of saying that, we're in the midst of a new season where God is beginning to pour out blessings. Now, blessings, when I say that, I'm not only talking about money, but I'm talking about favor, I'm talking about His grace, I'm talking about strength in body, I'm talking about walking in divine healing, not just being healed, but walking in divine healing, which means you don't get sick. 
So we are in a different type of season now, but again, there are responsibilities that we have to the Word of God. And again, as a pastor, it is my responsibility to make sure that I'm preaching the complete spectrum of the Word of God, not things that people are going to enjoy, but things that are going to help people to become what God has made them to be. We are now living in a society that is, and I wrote these down, pervasive, provocative, and perverse. Now, I'm going to give you the moment of the, the uh, definition of those in a moment. But again, we're living in a society, I want you to get this down in your spirit, that's pervasive, provocative, as well as being perverse. Now, pervasive basically means unwelcome influence spreading widely to areas or groups of people. We definitely see that in this society right now. I mean, you don't have to look anywhere. You can turn the television on. As a matter of fact, you don't even have to turn the television on. You can just walk around and you, you see uh, the type of influence that the enemy has in this society right now. Provocative means causing anger or an annoyance deliberately. Have anybody have ever just annoyed you? I mean, have you ever had people that just by not even saying anything, but just them being in your presence, it annoys you. Now, I, I often would tell Darlene, uh, when she's talking to me about things that are bothering her, I will say to her, recognize the source. You know, don't necessarily look at the person, but recognize the source that's behind their behavior because it's not them. I had a, I got a phone call this week from Troy and he was talking to me about deliverance ministry. And um, there are some things that, you know, he wanted, you know, he wanted to run by me. You know, he knows that, you know, God has used me in that area in the past as well as the present. And that's, that's an area that you have to really be committed to because it's not, a deliverance ministry is, is a lot different than a lot of other ministries. Let me tell you why. Once you commit to a deliverance ministry, that's something that you have to live with 24-7. The demonic world has been put on notice that you are now operating in that realm because see what happens most of the demons once you go into that type of ministry that you're dealing with are going to be principalities and powers and rulers of darkness so you're at another level then so I told and I made sure that he was aware of that once you go into a deliverance ministry now I'm not talking about God using you for deliverance I'm talking about a ministry where you are basically serving the kingdom of God by going directly against demonic uh, foes. It's a completely and different uh, type of ministry. So uh, provocative basically means uh, you're being, you're being, people are making you angry deliberately. I mean, they're doing things just to annoy you. That is the type of environment that we have in this world right now. And perverse, showing a deliberate desire. Now listen to this. Showing a deliberate desire to behave in a certain way that is unreasonable or unacceptable. So that's what perverse is. So now, I wanted to lay that foundation because what I'm going to be talking about is going to be is dealing with you and your own personal body. This is not a message where, you know, you have to think about anything else but your own personal self. So now, because that's really what will hinder you from receiving the things of God. Now, I did a message maybe a couple of years ago on uh, the courtrooms of heaven and how uh, the enemy can hold things against us based on the decisions that we make to do certain things and fail to repent for those things. So now, your body is something that you have been given the charge over. The decisions that you make about your body are your own. I'm going to say some things now uh, that may make you un uncomfortable. If it makes you uncomfortable, it may be uh, a sign that maybe there's something there that you need to repent about. But now this is now this is not just for you. Now, unfortunately, as ministers, when you preach the gospel, and you guys know this, it hits you first. 
It gets you first. Before you even stand up before people, when you are researching a subject like this, you have to do some self-examination. Because the last thing that I want to do is to stand before you, particularly with a topic like knowing how uh, to possess this vessel, you've got to make sure that you have done some self-examination. And unfortunately, I think a lot of times when we are delivering the Word of God, we're not aware that we are vessels that people can look at. And we are, we are a shining example, either for the good or for the bad, or of how we should be behaving ourselves. So now, possessing the vessel that, that we have right now is really talking about taking control, disciplining your physical body. Now, again, it may make you uncomfortable. If it does, there's nothing I can do about that. That's between you and the Spirit of God. But now, knowing how to possess this vessel, when Paul wrote to the Corinthians, when he said, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, he used the word temple tray for a reason. Now, in the city of Corinth, there was the temple of Aphrodite, which is the goddess of sex in the Greek mythology. So now, there were thousands of harlots, and that's why the word harlot was used there. There were thousands of harlots that was there in the temple that were used for a sexual gratification, and they were given money to do that. So now, um, this type of behavior, being a harlot or prostitute, is not anything new. I mean, this has been going on for years and years and years. But now, because these and here, here was the real dichotomy there. The Corinthian church was a very gifted church. So now Paul wanted to make sure that they understood, I don't care how gifted you are, you still are responsible for disciplining your body. Your body is the temple now. Now listen, the temple of Aphrodite, I believe it has been replaced by a new temple. And that temple is the internet. The same thing that happened at the temple of Aphrodite with the sacrifices, sexual behavior. Now, the, this internet, this type of sexual immorality is so accessible that you can get anything on your phone, on your, on your laptop, on your what a desktop, or your, whatever you may have, your handheld device. There, everything now is accessible to you. So now there is a responsibility that comes with access. How many of y'all understand that? Yes. With access comes responsibility. That's even things you, when you're accessing the things of the kingdom of God. There's a responsibility that comes along with that. Now, we are now being forced to choose between, now listen to this, what's right and what's acceptable. Let me give you an example. I was listening to... CNN the other day and one of the commentators I really don't want to call his name because I, I don't think that would be right but one of the commentators there because of their sexual beliefs they wanted to really sit down with a person and kind of give them instructions on how they need to change their behavior and be more sensitive to the gay lifestyle now, I want to stay right there for a moment because I think it's necessary. I need to make sure, as far as I'm concerned, that you, you understand what the Word of God says about that, but not only that, how we are supposed to feel about it. Now, I would never condone being mean towards people because of their sexual orientation. But I would never, never, ever, as long as there's breath in this body, condone that lifestyle. Because it's directly against the word of God. Now, I know that that behavior in this country particularly has become acceptable. We now say we have to be tolerant. No, 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 I'm not, I'm not going with that. We don't have to be tolerant. What we have to do is to understand that there's a difference between what a person does and who that person is. We've really got to understand that. So this is what Paul was trying to address right here. He wanted them, these Corinthians to know, you are gifted people, but your body belongs to God. Your body does not belong to the world. Now, 
I don't know how you feel about, you know, um, the gay lifestyle. It, it doesn't matter to me what you believe personally. What matters to me is that you understand how God feels about it. See, that's the real thing. A lot of times when we're looking at behavior, we're not even concerned about how what we're doing is making God feel. We're more concerned about how what we're doing, Jeanette, makes us feel. And if it makes us feel good, then what's wrong with it? And now we seem to have backing nationally. You know, it's okay. I mean, really, it's okay, you know, to feel this way. Now, I've even wrote something down here. We're being forced to choose between what's right and what's acceptable. What's right will always be the narrow road, which means you're going to be on a road where very few people are going to be there. So if you're looking to be what's right, you're not going to find a whole lot of people to talk to about that. No, you're really not. There's not a whole lot of people that's not only capable, but willing to tell you what's right. Uh -huh. But now the, the road that is acceptable is very wide. Yes. There's a whole lot of people on it. And how many of you know they're willing to tell you exactly what you want to hear? Yeah, huh? And we have to really resist this. We have to, I mean, with a passion. We justify, and listen to this. We justify adultery by saying it's right to be happy even if it's with someone else's spouse. Yeah. And now we have... Unfortunately, we have leaders of this country that are in a position now that are exhibiting this type of behavior. There was a time that people were, they were committing adultery, trade, but they had at least enough, enough in them to understand that what they were doing were wrong and they didn't want to just be blatant with it and, you know, just spread it to the world. But now, now. Now we're in a situation where we, you know, we tell people, well, you have a right to be happy, even if it's with my wife. <laughs> yeah, okay. I can tell you how that one's going to end. <laughs> but this is what we do. I mean, now the behavior has become acceptable. Now let's look, look, look at fornication. Fornication is premarital sex. We endorse fornication because we say, now get this. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. How else are we going to know if we are compatible sexually? My God. This is what they're saying now. How are we going to know if we are compat compatible sexually if we don't engage in sex before marriage? Now, the real good ones have the 90-day rule. Now, these are not just the... Not just the... Uh, the leaders back there laughing at me, but this is not just the, you know, the ones that just do whatever they want to do. We have the ones that are, and I call them, Lena, the self-righteous ones. They're not like everybody else because they're going to wait 90 days. <laughs> now, that really makes them good before the eyes of God. Glory to God, because they waited, Nikki, 90 days. <laughs> Nikki said 90 whole days. They waited 90 days before they decided to engage in this type of behavior. Now, let me tell you what the problem is with that. That's premeditated behavior. <laughs> Do y'all understand that? That's worse than someone going out and doing something sporadically. You are predetermining that in 90 days, I'm going to sin. You mark it on your calendar, and if you are a good boy or a good girl, at the end of 90 days, you're in good shape. So that is what I call premeditated behavior. Yes. Now, we even use masturbation as jumping. I have to write this down. I mean, I have to read this because I wasn't able to remember this as the Spirit of God was giving it to me. But we even use masturbation as justification for not committing adultery or fornication, though we substitute, now listen, our thoughts of a person for the person being there to bring us the same satisfaction. So let me kind of just give you a, a John Baysmore definition of that. We don't be with the person, but we think about the person as we're satisfying ourselves. Now, Jesus had an answer to this because somebody said to me, well, Pastor Baysmore, you know, I don't see anything there in the Bible that talks about this. You're a lying spirit. <laughs> what are you talking about? You 
feeding me. Are you seriously? Jesus said, if you look at a woman <laughs> and not commit adultery with her, but desire her in your heart, you've already committed adultery. So now, I don't know. Now, you know, maybe y'all have more experience with this than I do, but I don't see how something like that could be fulfilling unless you're thinking about something immoral. Now, I just, I just don't see how it's possible. So now then, you are dealing with a sin, not just of the body, but now you're dealing with a sin in your mind. Because you are allowing sexual spirits to get into your soul. Because your mind is a part of your soul. So now you are allowing these demons to get into your soul. And then you wonder why you start feeling certain ways. You know, even though I've not committed adultery, I'm not fornicated, but yet you are giving your, and listen, I, I, I would bet anybody, and though I'm not a betting man, I would bet anybody, what do I have in my pocket? Sure just gave me $40. Is that $40? Sure. Sure gives me $40 every time she gets paid. She's so sweet. I bet anybody this $40. I would bet anybody this $40 right here. No, I'm not. <laughs> Because Lena looked like she's going to say, I'll take that back. <laughs> she just had that look on her face. <laughs> but now, we, I, I, I was going to say, I would bet anybody, I would bet Trey $40 and anybody else that he knows he's heard this statement before. Incubus and succubus. You heard it too, Nikki? Hmm? How many of y'all have ever heard that statement? Incubus and succubus. They are night demons. Oh, never heard of it. Now you have. They are night demons. They are night sexual demons. Now listen. They only operate by invitation. Which basically means this. See, you're not getting away when you're not committing just adultery and fornication. But now, I mean, I hope you're not uncomfortable with the word masturbation because it is what it is. When you're doing that, you are inviting incubus and succubus now a lot of times at night we are restless because we have given these demons invitations in our mind we have allowed them to come into our minds and now we wonder why we're uncomfortable i said all of that to say this this is what paul had to deal with when dealing with the corinthians and the thessalonians now listen to this now this is where i wanted to get to first thessalonians chapter 4 verse 1 Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you have received, uh, received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God, so you would abound more and more, so that you will learn to do this more and more. For you know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification. Now listen. That you should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification. Now this is God's expectation of you. It's his expectation. Everything that you do is a decision that you make yourself. Now I'm talking about your body. He said, know you not that your body is the temple of Christ. Your body belongs to God. Now, the things that we do, let me, I'm glad, thank you, Spirit of God, I'm glad this came back to my memory. As I was writing this stuff down last night, I was thinking about people, and I've heard these conversations before, people even, they, they call me, and they talk to me about this. And here's what they do, it's, it's kind of hilarious, actually, because they, they really, they really try to justify their behavior. Now, here, here's my thing. Now, all of you know me by now, so I mean, lean all of I know, I've known most of you for at least, known you for at least 10 years. Trey, I think, is, I've known the least time in here. But now, all of you know this. Don't call me to ask me anything if you don't want me to tell you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just saying. I mean, because I love you, it ain't personal, but don't call me, you know, for me to that'll boy your behavior because I'm not the one. I'm not going to do it. I don't care who you are. I'm not going to do it. I had a situation this week that I was telling Cheryl about 
where someone was telling me what God had done for them. And I guess because they know I love them, they know I love them dearly. They really do know that. And all of you know that as well. And they were telling me, look what God did for me. So now what do y'all, let me just ask you, what do y'all think I said back to them? I said, what are you now going to do for him? I didn't say, wow, fantastic, glory. No, I didn't say that. I said, now what are you going to do for him? Because now, you know, it's easy to give God praise for good things. We, we all do that. You know, I've had people to, to call me or call Darlene. And, they, you know, something good happens in their life. You know, even my own children. So I'll be the first to say, my own children. You know, we'll get into it. I mean, we'll get it. No, we will. We'll get into it. And they'll say, God is so good. So my question is, why? Because he did. And so I go on to say, so now, if God had not done that, would he still be good? So they said, oh, Dad, why you always got to take it there? I said, well, maybe because you brought it to me. <laughs> I didn't call you. <laughs> I didn't go looking for you. I was minding my business. <laughs> and you called me. Because, see, you pretty much know where people are just by their behavior. I mean, I may not know your personal relationship with the Lord, but now how many of you know that there is two things involved in salvation that God requires of us? There is believing on the Lord Jesus, which we believe God for salvation. And then, so we make Jesus our Savior. Isn't that right? Yes. How many of you believe that Jesus is your Savior? Yes. But it doesn't end there. Jesus not only requires to be your Savior, he needs to be your Lord, which means you voluntarily give him control over your life. Yes. So now, the problem is, a lot of us don't mind acknowledging Jesus Jeanette as our Savior but now can you really say he is the Lord of my life I have voluntarily given him control over my life I am completely cognizant that everything that I do is a reflection of who I am in him I know that the Spirit of God lives inside of me so I should not take him places where he's not invited or welcomed because the Spirit of God lives in you. And you know, when I was, um, I was saved, I guess I was, I, I mean, I want to test that theory if I had died. I mean, I thought, you know, I was saved, let me put it like that. When I was still clubbing, Jan and I, we would go out to, now I don't know if that club still exists in New York now. It was two clubs actually. We would go to the club called the Martinique and then the Cheetah. And we would go to these two clubs, and at that time it was the um, disco music. So we would go there every, and when I say every Saturday night, we would go there every Saturday night. Now, now you got to understand, I've confessed my life to the Lord, and I'm really thinking about ministry now. But I had to go out and party on Saturday nights. I did. I remember one Saturday night in particular that we went over to the Martinique. It was six of us. So me and Jan, Ricky and Edith, Cheryl and her husband George. And we were all scrunched up. Now, you know, back then they had the front seat where, you know, yeah, it wasn't no bucket seats. Everything was just going straight across. So we were scrunched up, me, Ricky, and George in the front seat, and the three women sat in the back. Little did I understand. Now, well, I can tell you this. I was never one that got involved with drugs, reefer and stuff like that. That just wasn't my thing. I mean, I, I would drink a little, mixed drinks, but I wasn't, that wasn't my thing. So halfway to New York, I start feeling a little, I start feeling a little good. <laughs> That's a man, I was, you know, I noticed the car was smelling a little funky, but you know, I didn't, Pat didn't quite understand. <laughs> Why I was feeling so good. You know, because I'm normally, now I'm not quiet, but I'm not one. Now, if y'all see me one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of people think that I'm this real personable guy because I speak publicly. I'm not. I mean, I'm kind of, I'm really kind of quiet unless you talk to me. And so I wasn't... <laughs> 
help a Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. I'm really not, in spite of the wife clearing her throat, so those that are listening and didn't know what happened, in spite of that, I am really, really kind of quiet. I am. Stop shaking your head, Sister Gilbert. <laughs> no, I am. I mean, I, I like to have fun like everybody else, but I'm I'm not really talkative, you know, like in a group. I, I'm more like, you know, if I'm not the one doing all of the talking, I don't I don't talk a lot. So, but I, I noticed I was getting, Lena, I was getting real talkative. Everything was funny. I mean, everything was funny. And for the life of me, Pat, I couldn't understand why I was feeling so good. So in the meantime, now you may not know Jan's brother Ricky. You know he Ricky. You know Pat. Ricky was a jokester. I mean, this guy literally trained mischief calling. He should have been a comedian. I mean, he was really he was was oh he was really funny. I mean, just he could walk in the room. And you start getting tickled because he just had that gift. So now, you got to understand, they knew what was going on in the back seat with Jan, Cheryl, and Edith. I didn't even know, Darlene, that Jan smoked reefer. I didn't even know. I did not. I had, Pat, I had no clue. So Ricky and George are cracking up. They, I was like, man, I, I just feel real good. So they were laughing. They said, no, they called me Junie. No, Junie, it's okay. It's okay, man. I said, I don't know. I just feel real good. They were cracking up. So we got to New York. So I get out of the car. So I'm a little, yeah. Lena, <laughs> I was bold. I mean, I was feeling good. And I, now, I'd never gotten high before. I tried one time in college when I was going to William Patterson University in Wayne. And it did nothing for me. I smoked what they call a whole, what do you call those? Um, a joint. That's what they call them. They don't know what they call them now. <laughs> I know you know about it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> this is a fun sermon, isn't it? <laughs> so nothing, nothing, it didn't move me whatsoever, which to me was a sign that's something I don't need to be doing. And a lot of us don't get that revelation, but I got it real quick. This is not something I need to be doing. But I'm going to get back to this in a second. But So after that, I got out of the car, and I realized that they were actually smoking from the time we left Passaic until the time we got to um, New York. So they were feeling real good by this time. So now I said that to say, many times we allow ourselves to be in the company of people and situations that we have to have control over. Now I want you to I want you to think about this for a moment. So now you give your life to Christ. How many of y'all are saved? Just let me raise your hand. Let me see. So why are you doing like this, Lena? Like I think I am. No, raise your hand if you really believe you're saved. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. So now, imagine you give your life to Christ. And the promise of the Father happens to you. What is the promise of the Father? The Holy Spirit. So now where does the Holy Spirit live? He lives inside of you. Does he live in your mind? Does he live in your body? No. Where does he live? In your heart, your spirit. Though your spirit is a part, is housed there, the Holy Spirit lives in your spirit. That is the new man. Where your spirit and the Holy Spirit join together, the old things pass away. That's the new man. For those of you that may not understand that, you have a spirit that is the Holy Spirit. You are spirit. You, you live in a body, but you literally are a spirit. You came from heaven as a spirit, and God allowed you to live in a body. So now, the spirit of God lives in you. So now, as a believer, you have to make a choice, darling, every single day, how you're going to possess this vessel. Every single day, you have to make a choice how you are going to possess this vessel. Am I going to give in to the whims that come across my mind? Or am I going to really realize that the spirit of the living God lives in me? And I have to make a decision about what I'm going to do. 
When you normalize behaviors like I just talked about, you now open the door for other things. Have, now, I've heard this theory. I don't quite believe it, but I believe there is some substance to it. That as you do things, like they used to say, as you, if you do one type of drug, it's going to lead to something else. Now, I don't believe um, physiologically that's true, but here's what I believe. I believe that after a while, that thing does not satisfy you the way that it used to. So now, the high that you used to get, you don't get anymore, so now there's a need to bump it up to something stronger so that you can get that same feeling that you were getting before. It's the same way with our bodies physically. When we allow ourselves to do things alone where nobody is there, after a while, that does not even become satisfying. So now, the thing that you were doing in your mind, thinking about a person, now that does not bring you the same satisfaction. So now you have to do something else, and you have to find a partner to do it. And this is what Paul was teaching against. He said, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost whose temple you are. So we are commanded to glorify God in our spirits and our bodies. So how do you do that? How do we glorify God in our, in our bodies? Well, let me say this, and I think I had started talking about this before, but I didn't finish it. It really, if, if you, let's say Alina, you call me and you ask me for advice about something that you're struggling with. Now, Lena, you've known me almost since you was born. So you pretty much know where I'm coming from. So now, it's not indicative of how I feel about you when I tell you what's right. I'm not going to tell you, Nikki, if you call me. I'm not going to tell you what's acceptable. It's my job to tell you what's right. Do y'all understand the difference? Yeah. See, if I tell you what's acceptable, then I'm held accountable when I stand before God for not telling you the truth. Yeah. And here, here's the backlash to that. I saw this just a couple of weeks ago, and I really commend this person. I'm not going to call names because somebody might be listening to the broadcast and they know who I'm talking about, then they're going to start feeling some kind of way. But I commend a person who stands for what's right. Regardless of the backlash that they get. I've even seen Trey do some videos. And I know when I'm listening to those videos, though I'm telling them I listen to them. Yeah, I check y'all just to make sure you're on point. Because you know I'm going to call you if you're not. But I, I do. I listen to them. And, and sometimes the feedback that he gets is so completely not what he was talking about. But it shows you the hearts of people where they are. You see, people don't want to really hear the truth. They want to hear what's acceptable behavior. Yeah. And we can't make it that way. And then when you tell people the truth, what are the two words that people always use? Thank you, Nikki. Truly, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. <laughs> don't judge. So now there is a difference between speaking the truth and love. The Bible says this. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. I'm talking the word of God. In meekness, I believe it's the book of Timothy. In meekness, instructing those that oppose, not God, but themselves. Listen, when you sin against your body, you sin it against your own self. Yes, yes. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of truth. So my job is to get you the truth. Whatever it takes, my job is to get you to truth. I'm not going to tell somebody. I can't even imagine Cheryl coming to me and saying, and I know, now I'm just using this as an example, so don't y'all start looking at Cheryl sideways, because Cheryl ain't like that. I don't think. <laughs> but I, I can't imagine. I know Pat, Pat's like, Pastor, stop. <laughs> but I can't imagine me telling Cheryl, now listen, Dave is a nice guy. This is a good man. And I know y'all are going to get married one day, so it's okay if you give in to the flesh. That will never come out of this mouth. 
Never ever. Never ever in a million years. Because see, I know how long she's been praying for somebody like that. And I don't want her to mess it up just for one moment of satisfaction. Yes. Amen. And you've got to get this thing. You've got to understand how important. Listen. We break God's heart. And I, I don't know who I was. I, yes, I do know. I remember. I think I told Cheryl. You don't know how you break the heart of God when you sin against your own body. You don't even, you don't even know how Jesus feels. I remember watching this thing, and I'm going to be done because I might have to finish this the next time. I remember watching Mary Kay Baxter. How many of y'all have heard of her? And she was talking about Jesus had taken her into hell for 30 straight days. And then he took her after that, I guess, to kind of relieve some of that angst she was having about being in hell for 30 days. He took her to heaven for 10 straight days. But now she was saying, of all of the things she said, you know what bothered me the most? How Jesus was reacting for people that was pleading for mercy. She, also, he, she didn't just say he was crying. She literally said he, Jesus was crying uncontrollably. He said, your, your destiny is set. There's nothing I can do to help you. And then just to show you, because you take Jeanette, your feelings with you wherever you go. Whether it be, because you're going to go someplace. You're going to live eternally. That's a given. Every Now listen, let me make this clear. Everybody will live eternally. Where that is, is something different. But you're going to live. You're going to have your feelings. You're going to be aware of who you are. You're going to be aware of others. And you will be able to experience every bit of pain and pleasure that you do right here. I can't imagine the things that we do. I, I, sometimes I sit in my office in my chair. And I have a picture there. And I, I know it's not the Lord, but it's, it's really pretty close. It's really pretty close. I'll get in a second. It's really pretty close to what he looks like. It doesn't look exactly like that, but it's it's a pretty, probably one of two of the best representations of the Jesus that I saw when I when I saw him a, a couple of times. And I look at the picture, and I try to think about him, not as my Savior, but as a man. Because how many of you know he was all man, yet he was all God? We not have a Savior that cannot be tempted by the feelings of our infirmity, but in all points was tempted or tested just like we are. So he gets it. He understands. And I try to imagine how I would have reacted, honey, if he had taken me to hell. It would have been bad enough watching the people suffer. suffer. But then to watch Jesus crying uncontrollably. I mean, just thinking about it makes me a little, <laughs> makes me a little emotional. And this is how he feels when we completely ignore him. When he wants to get our attention. When he wants personal time with us. When he asks, can you just give me 10 minutes a day? But we go day by day. Sometimes we go weeks. They're believers that go weeks. They don't acknowledge him. They don't spend no personal time with him. <laughs> and I, you know, I would, I would look at that picture, and I try to imagine Trey, how I would feel. I have five children, six children. I can't imagine if all of my children ignored me. They never call me. They never want to be bothered with me. They never want to come around me. They never talk about me when there are other places to people. And I, I'm talking six children. Can you imagine having billions? Think about this. Billions of believers. And I dare say, I, I would be willing again to bet that not 20% of them spend time with him personally every single day. I can't even imagine how that feels. I know, listen, I know what it feels like to be rejected. I do. I know what it feels like. It's not a good feeling. I mean, 
it makes first of all it makes you start thinking about what you have done have you ever really love somebody and they don't love you back and instead of looking at them pat the first thing that we do we look at ourselves yes. and we ask ourselves what did i do mm -hmm. to make me make them treat me this way mm -hmm. what have i said to them that would make them treat me this way. And in the case of Jesus, he gave everything he had. He gave his life. I mean, from eternity, he was the word with the Father. Jesus agreed. <laughs> I, I, the thought of it is just mind-boggling to me. Jesus agreed to become the scapegoat, which means if it means, Father, I never get to come back to heaven with you. If you can get your family back, I'm willing to do that. And he goes through all of that. And then we reject him. My God. Or we ignore him. I told Alina, hope you don't mind me saying this, sweetie. But I told Alina on New Year's Eve when she came to the service. I said, you know, Alina, think about it. I said, as a ministry, we ask you for two hours a week. That's it. This is what I tell all of my kids that are not my blood kids, like your kids, your kids, and other, other people's kids. I got so many children. I mean, there are people on Facebook that call me dad. I, hundreds. I don't mean no Hundreds. No, Pat, for real. Hundreds. They call me dad. Just go to my page sometime. You'll see. I mean, they don't keep it private. I can't imagine. I, I can't even imagine, you know, just being rejected. Like some of them tell me they have nobody to love them. Y'all stand up. It's I have, Pastor B, I have nobody to love me. Nobody cares anything about me. And I want to rebuke them so badly, but I don't, Nikki, because I know they're in their feelings at that moment. But God really loves you. You cannot even begin to imagine the love that God has for you. You know my prayer for this year is? I told Alina, I told Sharice, and I told Jackie Hankins about the anointing that's on their lives. And the call, I've told you this many times, so you know I'm just not making this up. I've told y'all, I've told you and Sharice this together in person. <clears throat> Here, here's the thing. You can't give the enemy information. And you can't give him the right to take away the things that God has in store for you. See, Alina, even as I'm standing here right now, there are things that you've been asking God for. Because there are some things that's been happening to you personally, even in your marriage that you completely don't understand. But here's the thing. The devil has a legal right to mess with your anointing and to mess with your blessings when you walk in disobedience. So the message that I'm preaching today is not one to get you to feel guilty, but just to make you aware that the spirit of the living God lives in you. Yes, yes. He abides in you. Yes. This feeling that you get, sometimes you're thinking and you're saying, I don't know why I'm feeling funny like this. That's, the, that's how God speaks. That's, that is how he speaks. I'm telling you, you're, you're wondering, I, I don't hear from God. Yes, you do. You just don't recognize his voice, but you do hear from him. He will speak to you quietly. He'll speak to you quietly, honey. And he'll say to you, you know what? I'm not pleased with that. I'm not satisfied with that behavior. I don't like what you're doing. Nikki, I don't like what you're thinking. You got to do better than that. Our response should be complete, total surrender and repentance. And do you think it does not happen to me to please? I'm a, I'm a real target because my desire in my heart is to please God and to preach the kingdom. When I do these words to inspire you, I told I told people that go to sometimes they go to YouTube and come to my page and leave comments. My goal is to get this word across the world. 
So yes, I've become a target of the kingdom of Satan now. Do you think I care? I mean, so what are you going to do, kill me? Oh, boy, that's really, I'm really scared of that nigga because then I get to go to heaven. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, what what can you do to me? No, I mean, really, what can you? And listen, you can only kill me if God allows you to do it. Amen. You, you don't get to operate on your own. <laughs> if I'm walking in obedience to God, that means I have authority over those demons. I'm no match for them physically, but I promise you, they're no match for me spiritually. No match. Not only because I have the Holy Spirit who directs all of the spirit realm, but I got his warring angels. Not only my guardian angels, but I got his warring angels standing there daring them. They're looking at them and saying, I wish you would. I, with flaming swords, I wish you would try to touch him. So I don't jump back, Grandma, because I think I got all of this power. I know who's with me. Goodness and mercy follows me all the days of my life. I understand who's with me. And I want you to understand the same thing. Introducing Minister Thomas Gilbert with the final word. Good evening, everyone. Today I want to talk to you about emotional discomforts. Uh, in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, the 15th verse, I'm going to read this from the NIV because it's one specific word that really stands out and captures the essence of what I want to relate to you today. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. The word that, I, that really stands out to me in the NIV that's more often translated sympathize, which means kind of to understand, but here it means to empathize. Here it's translated empathize, which means he's feeling it as well. Um, and it says in the Bible, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way as we were. He was tempted in all points. He was tempted by the lust of the flesh, tempted by the lust of the eyes, by the pride of life. And yet he did not sin. He was offered, uh, he was offered to turn stone uh, into bread. He was taken up onto uh, a pinnacle of the temple and told to throw himself off to basically tempt God. And then he was taken up on a mountain um, and he was he was shown all the kingdoms of the world and said that he would be given all these things if he would just bow down himself to Satan. Um, the, the thing that I noticed about these temptations is, uh, you know, the obvious that Jesus quotes the word back to the devil uh, each time. And then the first time after he does it, then the second time the devil comes back and quotes the word to him. He says, didn't the Lord say that he would send angels to 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 lift you up, lest you stomp your toe on a, on a stone? And Jesus again quotes the word back to him. So sometimes the devil will come and try to tempt you, even using God's word. Well, if the Lord really loved you, then he would be doing this for you. Uh, all of this is to tempt you <coughs> or to find out, excuse me, who you really are. Um, and so it's not so much. Uh, it's not so much even to tempt the Lord sometimes. It's just the devil wants to know who you really are, because one of the things that he continually asks the Lord is, uh, if you are the son of God, turn these, turn these stones into bread. Uh, if you, and then he takes them up to the pinnacle and he says, if, if you be the son of God, didn't he say God would do this for his son? And so Jesus passed those two tests and then he takes them up to the mountain. You notice that each test that Jesus goes through, he's rising higher. He went from, he went from the wilderness to the, to the, pinnacle of the temple onto a mountain. He's going higher each time. So there are different levels to this temptation thing. And so uh, as he passed every test, there comes a time that once you pass the test of putting, uh, of, of putting away the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, you're not so much worried about your provisions. You're not so much worried uh, about your protection. You're not so much worried about your providence. You then move on and you can tell the enemy, get you behind me, Satan, and he will flee for a season. You see, you, you have to be strong. You have to be grounded. Uh, one of one of my mentors, my, my uncle, uh, he told me when I when I really got into ministry, he told me, he said, this thing here separates the men from the boys. You can't be faint at heart and serve the Lord. The Lord ain't looking for no wimps. He ain't looking for no cowards. And I'm sorry if the, if my language here offends you and it's a little harsh, but you got to understand 
Paul said we are to endure hardships as good soldiers. A soldier does not run or fret fear or danger. And so we have to be soldiers. God bless you. Be strong and understand that the Lord is feeling what you are going through. He is able to be touched by the feeling of your infirmities. And that should be reassuring to you that you have a God who not only understands because he made you, you have a God who understands because he has walked in the shoes that you walk in. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Restoration Place on the King James Radio Network. We hope that you have been encouraged and until next time, little prayer, little power. Lot of prayer, lot of power. No prayer, no power. Have a blessed week. Celebrate Halloween with dressed up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick or treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick or treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' Spider Donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst, Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween Spider Donut and get 10 Munchkins Donut Hole Treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer, participation may vary. Celebrate Halloween with dressed-up donuts from Dunkin', like the spooky sweet Halloween spider donut. Trick-or-treat! Aren't you a little bit old to be trick-or-treating? Uh, no. This is, uh, it's just a really good, uh, costume. Anyway, I hear you're giving out Dunkin' Spider Donuts? Didn't I just see you with your kid? No, that was just, uh, my friend. Psst. Dad, is it working? Run to Dunkin' all month long for the Halloween Spider Donut and get 10 Munchkins Donut Hole Treats for $2. America runs on Dunkin'. Limited time offer. Participation may vary.